Welcome back to the Seattle Sucks podcast, podcast about hating the city we love. And also, welcome back to the Nyad. Yes. We're back on the boat. SV Nyad, we're back on the boat. And the boat you all know and love. The and boat a brutal, that is my home. And a brutal irony, me and Bren have engaged in a project, a home improvement project at our house. Now we can't <laughs> live there, and now we live on Nyad. Yeah, we all we all cuddle up together in the V-Birth. <laughs> oh, Greg, you know that we sleep in one of the many bedrooms you have on your large bo- bodal estate. My my floating uh, manse, yes, my super yacht. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, you might say. Well, you know, not all of us were uh, losers in the death of Paul Allen. All right, so... <laughs> Huh. We were all winners. <laughs> so lots happened since we last talked to everybody. Um, things are going great in Portland. Nothing to report there. Uh, and uh, in Seattle, Decrim Seattle released uh, a budget plan for SPD, all of which we'll get into. But Greg, first, I got to tell you, I woke up the other day and I saw this tweet because, you know, anytime Mayor Jenny tweets, uh, I have a direct notification to my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it just shocks my brain to let me know. I need to I need to check it out. Uh, so Mayor Jenny Durkin, America has lost a hero in the conscience of our country. Generations are indeed are indebted to his life of service. His fight for equality and civil rights will drive us to be a more just nation. Rest in power. This was to uh, John Lewis, the representative who died, famous uh, freedom writer, famous for uh, being beaten up by racist cops during the civil rights movement. And... Uh, Mayor Jenny, just letting them know, rest in power. <laughs> Absolutely fucking vile. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you, is there any? Could there be anything more disgusting than that? Yeah, I mean, uh, as me and about a hundred other people mentioned in her in the replies, uh, she absolutely would have called the police out to beat the shit out of John. Well, Lewis. we we that's pretty. <laughs> we know as a fact. I mean, like yeah. we've been in the streets, um, it, fighting for uh, racial justice, just as. John Lewis and the rest of the Freedom Riders and SNCC uh, were doing when they, you know, got the shit beat out of them and, mm-hmm. get, you know, fire hosed. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no shame, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're playing this double game like Jenny is, uh, you can't have any shame. When you want to you know, say the things that you have to to be a, you know, progressive mayor of progressive Seattle um, when you want to deny, uh, when you you don't, you want to situate yourself politically somehow on the side of equality and justice and, but, you know, uh, in your actions actually enforce the white supremacist police state, like, there can't be any shame. How could there be? Like, Mm -hmm. That's 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 where that's where we live, everybody. Yeah, just cynicism turned up to ten here. Which, uh, speaking of which, she apparently also went to a judge to ask that. So there's going to there's a petition to get a referendum. I mean, this is our dumb political system, right? There's a petition to potentially get a referendum to recall Jenny Durkin, right, to make yeah. her step down. And uh, even though, well, I guess this is maybe a sign of how seriously Jenny takes it. She went to a judge and begged a judge to uh, throw it out. <laughs> It's <laughs> not allow Which is uh, so the collection of, of signatures. And I guess the judge agreed with her on six of the seven points that the uh, petitioners, you know, sort of argued for why she should be tossed. But uh, on the seventh one about her using the police to like violently repress protest, uh, the judge was like, no, nah, I think that's fair enough. So all this in the same way. Well, weekend. in her, her state, you know, her 
argument to the court was basically like, was uh, I have no responsibility to make uh, SPD policy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is like, that almost sounds like a resignation letter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, her argument was that, yeah, she has basically no control over what SPD does or anything like that, which honestly probably is partially true. But yeah, uh, yeah you're right. It's a resignation letter at that point. <laughs> um, it's like, which, you it's know, like, it can't be my fault. I'm completely ineffectual as a politician. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's very lawyer brained like argument um but you know it's like i mean jenny sucks and all but um and it's totally cool that people you know that she's being attacked from all sides um you know people on the council have signaled a willingness to you know if it comes to it um try to impeach her um you know obviously people put this uh petition to the court together that they're going to then gather signatures on now that that was approved that's cool and all what that means politically for actually the prospect of um making change in this town what what we do know is that jenny already she really had no mass constituency mm -hmm. you know we've been saying for months she's not going to actually run again um but she still had the sort of establishment consensus behind her no mass constituency the right wingers hate her anyone who cares about, you know, another human being also hates her. But she had the sort of, the mm -hmm. sort of uh, inertia of uh, establishment politics behind her. And now, and that, you know, that weighed heavily on the council, you know, like just the reality of that. Um, now, once she really turned, um, once she is, once she became toxic by, you know, toxically gassing a <laughs> yeah. an urban neighborhood um it you know it's clear that made her sort of toxic to the council that that sort of made her a lame duck basically and then the the final straw was sending that letter to the council uh, asking them to impeach uh yeah. Sawant to which they're you know it's like you know it's right after that that they passed a veto proof majority of the progressive taxation they passed um the repeal of the um, loitering laws, um, both huge victories, good mm -hmm. victories. And it's, and what it signals is that the Seattle process has broken down, right? That the mayor yeah. is not a part of that process, that the council views the mayor as mm -hmm. out of that process. And I really do think mm -hmm. that letter asking them, we said this at the time, it's like politically insane to ask a legislative body yeah. to expel one of its own. Yeah. It's long to, on, city on your <laughs> On on the basis of your political grievances with them yeah. is insane. It's never it'll it this that's not a thing that happens for the obvious reason that like yeah, yeah. they don't want it to happen to them. It's like the base like reason. And there are a lot more reasons than that, but it's like that's not how legislative bodies operate. Yeah. Um Yeah, and for all you know, I mean I'm sure there's plenty of people on the council who don't like uh Shava Sawat, but to, if they were to give in to that demand, you might as well just not have a city council anymore. At that yeah, exactly. Point. And they all know that and they all respect their own office and think them themselves as powerful and their yeah. their whole their own legitimacy comes from the fact that they were fucking elected. Yeah. And they so they're not and that's you know, as, that is your position as a legislator, you feel that every day. You know that. That's why you're where you are. So for the mayor to just be able to go like, look, this person's been mean to me. Here's some bullshit excuses for you to do my dirty work. Like, yeah. no, you're not going to take that bait. And so she's totally marginalized now, which is how they're, you know, I, I think that really matters. That process broke down, which means like they know we're no longer calculating. 
they were at this point they were calculating like just how to get things without her, which meant mm-hmm. uh, not bringing her into that process and and passing veto proof majorities. And now we've seen the same seven um, uh, sign on to defund SPD by fifty percent. Now this is going to be a long fight, um, but. Jenny, the point is, I don't know that Jenny needs to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, if it comes to a moment, I guess we've said this a hundred times, if it comes to a moment where they need to get rid of her to get this, um, the defund, defunding passed, then hopefully that'll happen. Um, until then, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't make it like a priority. It's fun to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's more funny just uh, for people who personally dislike Jenny Derrick. It is. To realize it's cool. That it means two things are true. One is that even amid like amongst a COVID disaster, growing disaster in Washington State, Ginny, it must be uh, at least scared that they can get the signatures. <laughs> and uh, the other one being that uh, I think the real thing is that she's terrified that if she gets recalled, there's no place for an, an Biden administration. Well, there's right? obviously, yeah. yeah. There's, uh, that's what she, of course, really wants is to get the fuck out of here and be a, never run for election again and yeah. be appointed to something. Um, but, you know, uh, even... A campaign, it's so funny because, again, like she has no constituents. She's already done yeah. this to herself. But, like, even a campaign to gather those signatures, if that becomes the political, a big, like, issue that's going on that people are talking about, like recalling the mayor, that um, recall fights tend to be, tend to take up a lot of oxygen. Yeah. Okay. A lot of news, a lot of politics. Uh, they tend to dominate things, which is why I'm not, like, super jazzed on. Yeah. That. Well, some of us remember, but, but it was fun. But from her perspective, she knows like it takes up a lot of oxygen. Is potentially very bad for her. Um, but I don't see how it gets any worse for her, really, because she can't pass anything now. She can't yeah, do yeah. anything. Yeah, she's useless now. Well, yeah, I mean, some of us remember uh, when Scott Walker uh, <clears throat> moved to break the public unions in Wisconsin, and people went in the streets and stuff. The Democratic Party in Wisconsin got people out of the streets by involving them yep. in a, a prolonged recall process that was that, just an enormous disaster. That well, so, Yeah, absolute fucking travesty. They, they spent months on this recall campaign that took up Every bit of oxygen and yeah. was like, and it was, you know, it's just, it's, I mean, it's worse even than like spending all of that time trying to elect one person and thinking yeah. they're going to save thing, but getting rid of something, you're just, you just got a vacuum there that could be filled by anything. Like, yeah, so it doesn't really matter. It's fun and cool and good. Yeah, Jenny yeah. sucks. Her power, <laughs> just by all this happening, by the demands that she resigned, by this petition, by the court saying it's okay, blah, 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 it's all diminishes her power mm-hmm. to stop whatever the council yeah. does next month. Now, uh, that's good. So, but like, we can't spend a shitload of time on this. Yeah. And I think uh, the thing that you mentioned earlier that the Seattle process has broken down, I think that's true in another way that's very real, which is the Seattle process of just uh, putting things in endless committees and going on and on and passing the buck back and forth between the city council and the mayor to ensure that nothing that's popularly, popularly wanted yeah. ever gets done. Uh, that has started to break well, down. That, and, that has short-circuited that, yeah. that channel. There's no one to pass back and forth to. All they have, they are now out yeah. on their own. We should actually just abolish the office of the mayor and see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's no reason to have a mayor. So, uh, but yeah, and another sign of that process breaking down and, uh, you know, the city getting dangerously close to actually, like, serving the people is that uh, Carmen Best has begun to panic and has posted, uh, she posted, or gave a speech, and then Dave Croman sort of broke down the bullet points. 
but uh, basically said, if our budget gets cut 50%, these are all the things we're going to lose and tried to, you know, uh, scare everybody, uh, meaning that Carmen Bast is scared that this yeah. budget's going to happen. Well, this she's is doing happen. politics. She is having yeah, yeah. to get into, rather than dismiss it, you know, yeah. rather than just ignore it and dismiss it, this is real. This is yeah. the, the uprisings in the city and the organizing is working. And we're going to talk about that. Um, yeah. uh, at the end when we talk about the new plan yeah. from Decrim. This is very important to understand. Like, these hands are being forced. Jenny is on the defensive. Mm-hmm. The council is on the offensive. Yeah. Carmen Best absolutely on the defensive yeah. against this plan. Well, and she has a, it's a problem, right, that she can't gas away, right? <laughs> she can't tear gas away. And, uh, I mean, just humorously, she tried to uh, sort of exclamation point her uh, fear-mongering by saying that uh, if we defunded SPD by 50%, there wouldn't be a SWAT team anymore. And I think this just shows that, one, she's on her back foot and has no idea what the people in the city think or want. <laughs> yeah, because it's <laughs> funny, because, like, <laughs> when, people, when people who are for defunding the police by 50%, uh, what they say is cool. The first thing we're going to do is get rid of that yeah. fucking SWAT team. <laughs> <laughs> Number one on every defunded list. Yeah, no yeah. more SWAT team. Yeah, or <laughs> near the top anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's fucking stupid. I mean, they also had that tweet um, where they're like, "We're going to have to fire all of our um, all the black, black and indigenous officers <laughs> um, if you do this." And it's like. Uh, nice try, asshole. Well, First of all, revealing, of course, that they've only just recently started because they were basing this on seniority, yeah. right? Like first in, first out if you're doing layoffs or yeah. first in, last out if you're doing layoffs. So um, revealing they've only in the last few years started. They have no, there's no, there's very few like uh, mm-hmm. senior people of color in, in SPD relatively, you know, statistically. Um, but also it's like you, you don't, the, the entire point of defunding them is to take their power away and again we will get to this uh that a big part of that is hiring and firing power and that and the fucking the contract which also people have pointed out it's bullshit um they're even within the rules of the the contract Mm -hmm. even without throwing it out uh they there are ways to get around that which the city has the power to do sure first of all if you're starting to do this, if you're taking this power and you need to get rid of people before you lay people off, you should be firing a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, with bad records. So, like, that, that's the first, that'd be the first yeah, thing. Yeah. Before there's any layoffs, uh, there's going to be uh, shit canning people without their fucking bennies. You know? Yeah. So, uh, that again would have to be the start. So, hilarious that yeah. she's so on the back foot um it's great yeah and again i mean nothing better than going on twitter to tell everybody that uh if they try and defund your police department for its racism then the department's gonna have to engage in some massive systemic employment racism <laughs> you know just amazing yeah we, we so, just have to i mean but this is everything right yeah. everything within cop mindset is a hostage situation yeah, yeah, where yeah. they're the hostage takers right it's yeah, like yeah. listen don't force us. Like, yeah. this is what we... Don't, you know... Just don't comply. Force us to prove ev- just everything comply. you said about us wrong. Yeah. <laughs> to be correct, Just right? comply or we'll shoot you. you yeah. Know? This is everything they think. It's hilarious. So, so speaking of hostage situations, uh, you heard about this Portland thing, Greg? You, uh, you, you I've been to Portland. Portland. I've been to Portland. Uh, it's a... a weirdly... Uh, uh, look. Charming little old uh, fishing village. It's charming. I am firmly of the belief that you should only be in Portland for four days, Max, and should leave. <laughs> um, but I will say, in Portland's defense, maybe the best restaurants, like, per capita. Brian's talking about the strip club. In um, the... Uh, <laughs> uh, culture down there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe... Oh, so you're saying it's a vibrant city. 
Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a vibrancy. They've got a vibrant creative class. Yeah, exactly. You know, the kind of city. What Brian's saying is we could use more of the kind of gentrification that Portland has seen <laughs> over the last 20 years yes. here in Seattle is if we don't have enough. We need to we need the Portlandification of the West Coast. Yeah, cool. You know, just like the Seattleification of the East Coast. So anyways, point point being is that uh so uh, federal troops are currently in Portland. So you, uh, yeah, you probably know. Like, <laughs> I'm sure you guys have seen the. Videos. They're on like 50 some days of protest there. Yeah. That has been really consistent more than anywhere in the country. Seemingly, I mean, the thing is, there's been a fucking media blackout now on all the protests, yeah. which continue to go on basically everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But there's been a really like nightly consistency to the Portland protest, mostly at the Multnomah County Justice Center. Um, basically literally every night. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other consistent part about it is that Portland police have at no time backed down and have continued consistently to use full... you know, well, well, uh, and, riot and, tactics yeah, and, every night for 50 nights, basically. Yeah, and, and some it, days have been bigger, some have been smaller, but it's been very consistent. Yeah, and we've mentioned this on the show. And it, in Portland, similarly to Seattle, uh, there was an injunction filed against the police department against using tear gas. And then the city council told them, you know, all, you know, crowd control weapons. Uh, and Portland uh, Police Bureau has uh, just used them anyways, repeatedly well, over and over again. Once just, again, showing how useless these things just are. Like here, yeah, just like court here, in the court injunction yep. injunction here, there was like, you know, a stipulation, well, mm. un- uh, <laughs> unless, unless, it was, unless it was necessary for <laughs> yeah, reasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. And unless so they just to. declare a riot. Yeah. And, you know, what's different is just, in many ways, it was, you know, exactly what was going on in Seattle for like a week and a half, and that the politics are just different such that um i don't know maybe it's just they didn't have a shama swat to come and stand on the front lines i don't know i i don't maybe it's that uh and this is believable that the portland police are just more determinedly like Mm -hmm. overtly self-consciously white supremacist than seattle not that's you know just because uh that is possible that they they're even more uh hyped up about um beating back Black so, Lives Matter. I think it's a lot of factors go into it. Yeah, there's absolutely some truth to that because Portland has had an organized anti-police movement for a lot longer than most cities in the United States. Um, their response to police violence over gentrification dates back to the early 2000s as opposed to in Seattle, right? In the last 10 years, it's been 20 years of this in Portland. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, and this gets into the federal troops and their sort of, uh, you know, response to the Portland protests. Uh, Portland was where they shut down one of the immigrant detention centers, right? Portland has been, you know, a thorn in ISIS side for quite a while as well. Uh, So I think there are a lot of axes to grind between the police and the people of Portland, and uh, they're grinding them. Yeah, we seem to have seen over the last, like, five years, we've, it's, Seem to have seen like one of the a lot the most evidence of like absolutely hundred percent direct uh, contact and coordination between white supremacist mm-hmm. orgs and Portland yeah. Police Bureau. Also, a lot of Nazis in Oregon. Oh yeah, just, oh, a just, lot. just it's, like it's the, very the Northwest in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, Washington, the Washington territory, or the Oregon territory, you know, was yeah. basically seen as like a, let's go have a white paradise for a long time. Mm-hmm. The most successfully segregated yeah. place in america and portland a lot of racists a lot of nazis up here um and for whatever reason portland there is something about like um yeah the portland police even having just a little bit different character um Mm. as like 
as much as uh, Seattle police like have a real hard on for protesters in general, mm-hmm. um, you know, dating back a long way, um, the Portland police have. There's a lot of history of like direct coordination with alt-right and white supremacist orgs. Real yeah. fucking Nazis, these guys. Yeah, and um, when we were having the pro-gun, like, Patriot Prayer groups coming up to Seattle every week, right, they were all coming from Portland, which is, like, an interesting, you know, yeah. so, I mean, the just a long history. I mean, uh, Portland's, like, a weird place. At some point, we should have somebody from Portland on here and do a little discussion of it, but, I mean, the thing that is interesting is that what seems to have happened in Portland is public anger over the Portland police, you know, attacking protesters and gassing them, reached such a point that uh, they decide to do this little uh, sleight of hand. Where they're like, oh, well, how about if instead of the Portland police gassing and beating people, we just had federal police <laughs> gas and well, beat people? <laughs> look, I mean, it's very possible, you know, Trump mm-hmm. now, like a month ago, was saying, like, you know, if you don't fix your shit out there on the West mm-hmm. Coast, we're going to send in federal troops. And it is possible that, again, because of the different political character of Seattle, this is Maybe part of why SPD backed off and had to change tactics because that this may have been the thing. We don't really know what's going on, who's in control of what in this city, what the battles between Durkin and Best are. But it's not crazy to think that the um, both the very public admonitions from the, from Trump himself and whatever they were hearing from federal agencies behind closed doors gave Durkin the motivation and the sort of. Um, the hand to make SPD change tactics to prevent this from happening here, prevent uh, federal cops from being deployed here. That Mm -hmm. is a real possibility. That is not what happened in Portland. They just kept doing what they were doing, giving almost an invitation to the Trump administration to come in uh, with federal troops. And so now we know over the last week they've done that. Uh, They've shown up... uh, you know, you've probably all seen it. Uh, seem unarmed, unmarked, uh, f- apparently federal agents in uh, camo and full like battle gear, uh, showing up on the streets using you know crowd dispersal munitions, tear gas, and also just black bagging people on yeah. the street and and putting them in rental enterprise vans and driving away. Now we know now mm-hmm. that more information has come out and there've been more pu- there's been like memos leaked and more public statements from Homeland Security saying that these are largely it seems uh the border patrol. Yeah. Uh the sh- the of of the federal law enforcement agencies like the kind of perfect I think, you know, tell me if I'm right here, the sort of perfect nexus for this job of like, um, like law, real like cop, uh, shithead, racist mindset, like, but like a level of pro- sort of training and professionalism that makes them deployable in this way, as opposed to like ICE, which yeah. is just like <laughs> fucking, you know, bumbling, uh, like yeah. beer gutted shitheads who like you. Even the feds wouldn't necessarily like try to send in this well, role. Well, ICE is probably the next stage when they just want people to run through the streets shooting people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, what you're doing is we're going through the various federal departments and various police agencies that the state has at their you know disposal, and we're we're finding out which ones are the most comfortable with attacking you know people in their own country, right? Yeah. And, which uh, I mean, there you go, Border Patrol. Yeah. Fully. So they're feds. They're think of them. They have cop mindset, but they've always been deployed 
in the United States that's mm-hmm. been their entire role always, um, yep. including, you know, not just the border. It's at, they've all for many years been they operate within yeah, like since a few Carter, hundred miles. They've had a uh, interior orientation and as well as border orientation. They're fully 100 percent militarized, yep. way more than your local cops. And they've been working directly with active yeah. duty military on the border training. God knows, I'm sure they've been to Israel too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, yeah. they but their day to day thing is policing in the border zone, like whatever, 100, 200 miles mm-hmm. from the border, directly like shoulder to shoulder with the army. Yeah. And whatever you think of police accountability in American cities, uh, that looks like a strong, reliable uh, regulatory regime compared to the Border Patrol. Yeah, Brian, Brian uh, has written yeah. previously yeah. about the just wanton murders committed yeah. by the Border Patrol that just go, like, you know, uh, totally unchecked. Yeah, not even mentioned. Um, I mean, famously, uh, there was a murder of a teenager in El Paso. He was actually uh, on the Mexico side of the border, but by a Border Patrol agent in El Paso who, uh, when it got to uh, the Supreme Court, the Obama administration argued that it can't be illegal or be seen as illegal because then the U.S. murdering people abroad would be illegal. So, like, as they argued in court, (laughs) if we had a drone strike on somebody, then that would be illegal. And so the court was like, well, shit, that's a good argument. I guess the Border Patrol can do what it wants. (laughs) So, well, these are, uh, this is the agency that we're talking about. This is the kind of political cover they've been given. And now this has been organized, apparently, into something called PAC. Uh, This is coming out, I think, just this morning or yesterday. Get ready to be hearing that word over the next Mm -hmm. rest of your life, I assume. The Protecting American Cities Task Force. Um, the boots on the ground in Portland seem to be largely, again, Border Patrol, but, you know, this is coming out of Homeland Security. This is about using federal law enforcement troops at, to put down resistance mm-hmm. in American cities. The What is the leaked memos that have come out, uh, you know, various journalists uh, have uh, written this stuff up, say that they're actually being deployed or have been deployed to other cities, mm-hmm. apparently, and are standing by, ready to act. Um, so you could be seeing this come to a city near you. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is what... Uh, this this is the confrontation, right? Yeah, and we, we know that in Portland that uh, the federal authorities have been operating out of the Portland Police Bureau. So basically there's been a close hand, you know, <laughs> you know hand-to-hand relationship between them. And uh, they're apparently targeting and, you know, black-bagging individuals, uh, which, uh, you know, is concerning. The thing is, what we're seeing is the natural endpoint of, you know, what the ultimate goal was behind the creation of the Department of Homeland Security and the creation of police fusion centers, uh, which, you know, happened after 2001. And these fusion centers are to bring together various law enforcement agencies to, quote unquote, monitor terrorism. But as people noticed pretty much immediately, what they actually were monitoring was anti-war protests during the Bush administration, Occupy Wall Street during the early Obama administration and Black Lives Matter during the Obama administration. Um that basically what it is is a unified police response at every level of the U.S. state against uh, popular movements inside the U.S. borders. Yeah. Well, like, you know, maybe, you know, if you're um, not uh, really old like us or you don't, like, sit around, like, reading cop shit like Brian, you may not (laughs) realize that the Department of Homeland Security is something that was slapped together haphazardly uh, by the Bush administration um, 
in the short period after 9-11 based on this argument that like, oh, well, you know, the reason uh, we didn't uh, stop the, you know, most deadly attack on American soil ever is not just because the people at the top were incompetent shitheads. Mm. Um, it's because uh, the uh, federal, you know, law enforcement and anti-terrorism wasn't sufficiently coordinated and there were these you know, competing fiefdoms and all this, this, uh, which, you know, is bullshit. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, that's a whole nother story, but like, um, the fact that the top people in the white house, uh, were stupid, mm-hmm. dumb shit, right wing assholes, uh, is why nine yeah. 11 was not stopped. So, uh, but also like what they did then was create what all these, there's, there's so many fucking federal law enforcement agencies, but previously they were all basically, the law enforcement arm of some government department that, mm-hmm. or sometimes some government departments had more than one that had very specific duties and mm-hmm. very and prescribed limitations within the law and by combining them all and making them in this this structure taking them out of other departments so like the secret service right is an oddball one with a funny name that used to be the Treasury Department Mm -hmm. um, because their job originally before they started protecting presidents in addition to their, which that's a whole different story, but like (laughs) was, um, uh, they were the Treasury's law enforcement division because they, they so. They were fraud control. Yeah, they were about uh, tracking down counterfeiting. So they had, they were like a a little, way previous to the FBI, they were like the FBI but for currency crimes. Yeah. And and shit like that. Um, The, you know everything like everything is like that and now they're basically just you know in one sort of all in one house that can then pick and choose like who gets used for what and then we've seen that those powers expand under the bush administration certainly um you know this the you know the patriot act was this huge expansion of um american the government's power to sort of police uh yeah, citizens within people. the and surveil oh. people in the united states but um, then there's the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah. There was this thing in 2011 called the Defense Authorization Act. And uh, basically what it said, because Obama had this little issue, he wanted to murder American citizens, right? Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the, this is the cool guy president, right? Uh, he wanted to drop bombs from robots on top of American teenagers. And, uh, you know, that created some potential thorny legal issues. So what he did was they had the 2011 Defense Authorization Act, which basically said all the rules we made up for the war on terror, basically saying that we don't have to follow any international standards when it comes to uh, just murdering abroad. Uh, That actually applies at home, too. So since the signing of that act, you actually can detain uh, anybody without trial. You can detain anybody uh, without even telling them why you've detained them, uh, simply by labeling them terrorists. So what you're saying is what the federal government is doing in Portland, black bagging mm-hmm. random protesters who are just exercising their free speech is completely legal. Yes. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's actually a very like uh, uh, darkly funny uh, article from the or- Oregon Public Broadcasting. It's actually been the only uh, group doing good journalism on this uh, where they were interviewing, I believe, an ACLU attorney in uh, Portland who was saying, like, you know, on its face, you know, just kidnapping people off the street and uh, disappearing them uh, seems would seem to be illegal. And then in the next paragraph, like, 
except for the fact that this 2011 uh, Defense Authorization Act, if this is the authority they're using to do it, then it makes it legal. Now, the funny thing about that is if that is the authority that the Trump administration is using, they don't have to tell anybody. Yeah. So like basically, stuff- just by keeping their mouth shut, it is de facto legal. Right. I mean, all this shit um, from the Patriot Act, the defense authorization bills, these are all things that give all these tools to get around all, basically, your the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Um, like, uh, they could honestly, some of this, somewhere in that shit probably says they can quarter federal troops in your home. Okay, yeah. like, don't be surprised if, if it does or if the Supreme Court will uphold that at some point. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, this is the Obama administration that uh, didn't prosecute torture yeah. in the CIA that co- that that covered that up, um, yeah. got let them get away with it. Didn't dismantle the Patriot Act and Homeland Security Act. Uh, n- instead, just continued to uh, increase the power of the executive to police American citizens, to murder American citizens, and very importantly, uh, expanded the fucking border patrol in yeah. part of its like grand uh, attempted you know appeasement of whatever 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 was in their heads who cares they expanded the border patrol and its powers militarized it further deported more people than ever and that is the border patrol the most the most militarized most racialized um police force the feds have and it's huge yeah, yeah, uh, over twenty thousand members, and the thing is, is that uh, you know the Obama administration also normalized the use of ICE for putting down political dissent, as famously Obama did when there was going to be a march on Washington of immigrants, and he used ICE to put down local immigration groups that were organizing it in Maryland through giant immigration raids. So, I mean. These are all like during the Obama administration when some of us were complaining about that stuff and everybody was just going, oh, vote blue no matter who, at least it's a Democrat, all that kind of stuff. This was the problem with that. So imagine <laughs> like, now when yeah. they're telling you vote blue yeah. no matter who, because we have to we have to get this authoritarian out of the White House who's oh look, he's sending all these Dems, the Oregon Dems yeah. who are all like, Oh my gosh, Donald Trump, he's sending federal troops. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is on, this is outrageous, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, good, we're going to use this against him in November yeah, yeah. to get Joe Biden elected. Yeah. This is not only Barack Obama's vice president, but a guy who, um, re- realistically, actually way to the right of Barack Obama <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and who, of who has spent his entire life in, like, uh, building the power of the cops. Yeah, his entire political career is putting police on the street. So whatever happens <laughs> here, whatever escalations continue in Portland... Uh, wherever else they go, do not think for a fucking second that they any single piece of that is going to be rolled back under a Biden presidency. Yeah. Expect them to be expanded. Expect the rhetoric to be a little different because this is now the only this is the only difference between these two parties, between these two candidates. The emphasis, you know, a a Biden administration probably won't brag as much mm-hmm. about sticking federal troops on protesters as Trump, though who knows? This is Joe Biden we're talking yeah. about. Probably <laughs> Another they'll let him out in, the country, out in public and he will brag about it, but then you mostly won't hear from him and you'll hear from other mouthpieces yeah. who will pull, use like the Obama playbook of being a very savvy murderer mm-hmm. uh, who doesn't like brag about it, you know? Yeah, we'll go back to how Obama talked about his use of federal troops and actually mercenaries to put down uh, protesters uh, who were protesting the pipeline, doing the, the pipeline protest. Yeah, the Dakota Standing Pipeline. Rock. Yeah. Standing Rock, right? I mean, those photos, look, this was, 
that was a dress rehearsal for in the 21st century massively putting down using the full brutality of a militarized uh police forces coordinated yeah. on American soil against protesters and that was the Obama administration. Yeah, yeah and the thing the is the Obama Biden administration. Yeah. And the thing is is that uh basically news agencies, you know, either ignoring or reporting in the most passive way some what's happening in Portland like the New York Times who basically the only thing they had to say about it was looks like those federal troops might have not had the proper training um to the fact that like you know, Biden hasn't made a single comment about it to the fact that all these Democratic politicians, you know, Nancy Pelosi down are just basically giving the thoughts and prayers tweets, you know, like we're yeah. really concerned about this, man, thoughts and prayers to those people in Portland. What this means is this is being normalized, just like we normalized mass shootings in schools, just like we're going to normalize hundreds of thousands of dead from a pandemic that, you know, <laughs> is oh, causing that. havoc here in a way that it's not having in other countries, just like we're going to normalize that. All that kind of stuff. All this is being normalized. This is the future. All right. This is the future. Yeah, it. I mean, it's a boot stomping on the human face forever. Yeah, uh, except for and like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, but l- listen, like, uh. You know, is this uh, the yet another really sort of garish and obvious uh, chapter of America's turn to full fascism? I don't know. Is it something actually worse? Because, you know, if if you want to define fascism as like requiring uh, real genuine like mass politics on the right that they're like they pretend to have but don't really it may be worse because all you actually need is the this fully developed and technological police state that Mm -hmm. can surveil everybody and has you know stormtroopers on every block um so whatever uh whatever is coming whatever confrontation is coming has been coming for a very long time and yeah this may be the new face of it uh so the question is like you know what what can we do yeah, and so that brings us to another thing, which, you know, this show we've said, uh, you know, repeatedly that basically we have to win in the streets, right? Like, if we don't win the streets, if you don't severely uh, hobble your local police department, things like that, the reaction to this movement is going to be devastating. And uh, Decrim Seattle, you know, local group, hopefully you guys are familiar with, just posted their Seattle PD budget. So this <laughs> is after, you know, this budget. is on the heels of um, of Jenny saying, like, look, these activists who I've talked to, they're random <laughs> plants she has meeting yeah. with, have no plan. This 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 50% number is just like something they pulled out of their mm-hmm. ass. Um, there's no adults in the room to yeah. think about this. They don't well, have a brilliant plan like my plan, tear gas everybody. <laughs> yeah, so let God sort them out. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they've, yeah, there is a really detailed plan that we want to talk about uh, maybe like the first element of you know we've heard this is um so decriminalized seattle coalition is a coalition of a ton of Mm -hmm. black and indigenous local groups including largely i think a lot of people from king county equity now Mm -hmm. um a lot of local organizers who i think have been a part of organizing some of the best and most effective um local actions but also driving the three demand message that is pretty much everyone but Mayor Jenny uh, acknowledges is pretty widespread. Um, the defund SPD by 50%, mm-hmm. reinvest that in communities, and um, release the protesters uh, without charges. Now, you know, it's been, again, this game has been played by the city saying, like, oh, there's no real uh, demands. Uh, 
you know, blah, blah, blah. But actually, uh, this, this is, um, again, like I said, the organization has been impressive from mm-hmm. the beginning in these, in this town, in this uprising. And they're showing it again that they have been prepared and have been doing the work. I mean, this is, this is groups of organizers who clearly have like, um, we're ready for this in one way or another, um, with the resources, with the knowledge, and we're ready to take the moment and run with it. And, um, you know, they just did, uh, there was just a teach in on Facebook that they did to talk about this stuff that we will link to in this, that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Nikita Oliver was on and talked through this stuff with a bunch of other people. We just want to highlight some of the stuff here, particularly the defunding plan, uh, which is really cool and good. Um, and we just want to give like support to that because basically we'll, so we'll link to the actual document, uh, but it starts with the blueprint for divestment. <laughs> Taking some, they, you know, these people have sat, I think, uh, in collaboration, even I think with some people within the city council, have um, sat and gone through SPD's budget. And now we get to really look. I mean, we've been waiting for this. We've been talking on this podcast about a lot of like uh, line items we'd like to see uh, canned on this. Uh, among, you know, some of those have uh, are also on this list, which is awesome. So Mayor Jenny has, you know, in what she thinks is a negotiation, has specified like the five percent that she wants to cut. Um, that's missing a zero. You know, she has called for um, some stuff that ends up on this list, but we'll talk about like what those differences could be in actual implementation. But okay, so. Um, it says, uh, when we get to the SPD stuff, it says, all cuts previously identified by Merritt Durkin, totaling a measly $20 million, should be transferred to the reinvestment named in this blueprint. The divestments named below expand on these cuts. Cuts could come from many places in SPD's bloated budget and should include the following actions. Um, and this is great. You know, I mean, this this is so smart from the beginning. Why... Why talk about this in terms of defunding? Because it tells this story, right? It says you're going to take this money away. You're going to give it to where it's more needed in community. It shows how bloated they are. But it's also a, the a most incisive sort of political tool that the council can wield. A lot of this is going to have to be backed up by implementation in a lot of ways that we can talk about. But this first step of just taking the money away and taking it out mm-hmm. of specific line items is such a perfect first step. So... First thing, oh, uh, getting into a budget uh, reduction here. First bullet point, freeze hiring. Yeah. Any planned hiring, including individuals in the training pipeline, should be canceled. Perfect. Yeah. No more cops ever hired on SPD. Literally ever. Great. Permanent hiring freeze. Uh, that is perfect. Eliminate funds for recruitment and retention, including bonuses for new hires. Perfect. Want to reduce uh, the power and size of your mm-hmm. police department? Uh, get rid of the people yeah. actually working on growing it. Well, I think, too, this uh, answers the sort of pearl clutching that we've gotten from uh, Carmen Best and Dirk and alike, which is that if we cut SPD by 50%, then there would be less cops. And this is answering with a strong affirmative. Yeah, yes, definitely. that's the idea. <laughs> like, there will be significantly less. <laughs> yep. You get rid of, and this is so, this is something, again, these are both things we've talked about. I mean, the first one's obvious, no no more cops. Mm. But this stuff gets into well, something we've talked about, which is get rid of all this overhead of 
bullshit that increases their bureaucratic power and like and this is it there's whole offices there's whole desk jobs in there of people just trying to make more cops right Mm -hmm. and then you're paying them bonuses blah 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 okay no more recruiters none of that next bullet point remove the office office of collaborative policing including the navigation team uh while some programs in this office along with their administrative structure should be eliminated altogether Officers could be moved. Some others could be moved to civilian-controlled city agency. So I don't know everything that's involved in the collaborative policing, but again, this is some bureaucratic structure within SPD that partners mm-hmm. cops with other city agencies, including the navigation team. Which again, mm-hmm. perfect thing to just completely get rid of. Which, uh, yeah. Well, it's acknowledging. I mean, they mentioned to getting rid of community outreach departments, and the basic thing that they're trying to say, right, is you know this sound, might sound counterintuitive to some people that are like uh, community policing. That's good or whatever. It's making the argument that what community policing is is the police are reaching their tendrils into every community yes. and essentially turning everyone into a snitch, right? It's, a, it's about creating a snitch pipeline. It's also about creating a propaganda pipeline for people in the community itself to accept the things and the police do. And it's saying, you know what? One thing we don't need, a police propaganda department. Fuck them. Get out. And, and, it's, and the collaborative policing mm-hmm. and the navigation team is about putting cops in more interactions with people mm-hmm. that, that they, they don't, don't need to be, which is yeah. a big theme in these cuts. Um, so so eliminate the na- uh, navigation team and community outreach administration. That just gone. No more. And this, you know, this is great because this is a story that makes sense to people. This is like, mm-hmm. oh, what have we wanted? What have a lot of people wanted to do in this town for a long time? Get rid of the fucking navigation team and stop the sweeps, okay? This is mm-hmm. a, this is important. And... This is how this is how you do it. You do it with the budget. You don't do it mm-hmm. by asking them nicely, by creating some other thing. You just say, "No, you're not allowed that you know, you don't get to do that anymore." Okay. Transferred out of SPD control. Crisis intervention response community service officers. So, um these are like civilian um sort of these are like small programs of civilian responses to various types of crises and or Mm -hmm. the community service officers like people to have around who are not cops but right now for some reason which are like potentially good types of programs that could be expanded but for right now they're for some reason controlled by spd Mm -hmm. and again you want to just everything you can possibly get out of spd's hands so this is this is yeah uh, good well, and that ties into another thing that they have further down the list, which is uh, eliminating or taking out of SPD's hands traffic enforcement and parking enforcement. Yeah. And uh, this one, you know, the police don't need to be doing that. And no. the other part of it, too, is that it ties in. Uh, Erica Barnett had highlighted this uh, last week, I think, in a tweet. She showed a graph of the actual, like, why people call 911. Right, like what all the police calls are. And it turns out very little of it is actual crime. Yeah. Like the vast majority of it is cars parked in the wrong place, right? Uh, You know, car did this, right? All this kind of stuff. Or it's a person, you know, homeless person outside, do something about it, right? And basically what it's saying is, you know what? Probably 60, 70% of 911 calls, the police don't need to have any participation in in any way whatsoever. And the fact that they actually are in charge of these things is creating contacts with the public that's getting people killed. Yeah. Well, they are necessary if your goal is to hide an occupying military force whose Mm -hmm. duty is to oppress um, marginalized communities and put down dissent in plain sight and justify mm-hmm. its existence. Yeah. Okay. So you give it all these jobs and it helps them in, by having more contact with people to do their, their role of oppressing people. 
and it justifies their existence to everybody else. Sure. Um, well, that and it helps the guy who owns your building keep us, you know, maybe keep his property value up. But yeah. if you live in the building, it doesn't exactly help you because you might be the one getting it called on, right? So, you know, this is saying like, look, we're gonna, you know, this is trying to take some sort of bite out of the class role of policing as well. Yeah. Next, eliminate spending on new equipment. This is badass because yeah. this is this is the kind of control that the city council needs to take. Mm -hmm. over the police department and starting with just a blanket no you buy no nothing new yeah, yeah. those cars you're driving now honestly you're not going to need some of them we're probably going to have to sell some of them off or transfer yeah. them uh, to other city yeah. departments when they or, need new cars or we'll put them in a warehouse and when your car wears out in 20 years we'll get one out of the warehouse for you yeah yeah or <laughs> more likely they'll like it, it, you'd give them to the city carpool to yeah. be like stripped of their uh, cop <laughs> bullshit and used that way is probably what would uh, be a good idea because um, then you wouldn't have to say like you're selling them off to other police departments you know mm -hmm. but um, like this again this is one of these things that needs to be enforced right like mm -hmm. it needs to have this is the way to start doing these um, however it comes out in the bill the defunding part is perfect right um, mm -hmm. but this is ultimately an administration thing. You do need an administrative structure that is going to stand up and demand and like make sure these things are done the way you want it. And because the way you want it is basically they don't get to buy any new guns and they don't even get to buy any new ammo, right? Yeah. Certainly not for their uh, like five, five, six. Yeah. Weapons. Well, allowing police to buy whatever they want has resulted in them owning tanks, grenade yeah. launchers, you know, predator drones, that kind of shit. Uh, so how about this? They don't get to buy what they want anymore. Everything that they want to buy has to be fucking approved, right? Essentially is what is happening here. Yeah. Like an oversight board. So you're going to have to go and explain in public why you need a tank to put down yeah. the public. Now, whatever right? is that position, you know, whatever is that um, administrative structure, kind of doesn't matter what it is. It's about mm -hmm. where the p political power is. Really, you're going to need a mayor eventually who is willing mm -hmm. to... Um, actually enforce to to go after these things and to push these yeah. reforms to their furthest extent and continue the fight. Now, in the meantime, the, the council is going to have to write a bill, hopefully that has all these things in it, that has them with teeth, that expands on exactly how. But the thing is, that may not necessarily be part of the budget part yeah. of it that that's and it may not be able to be realistically. They may be able to put a lot of teeth into this by taking the money away, but in the end, they're going to have to do more legislation and more just oversight and enforcement, whatever form that takes. And we've said on this show, like, that shouldn't take the form of a, a independently elected police board because that's mm. just electing cops, ultimately. Um, but um, the city council uh, needs to be, like, take these and drive them to the furthest extent. And that's going to be difficult, which means this is going to have to keep going. This you know fight is going to have to be indefinite mm -hmm. for the rest of our lives, basically. Eliminate spending on the... Um, oh, th yes, this is one we have talked about directly. Eliminate data-driven policing, yeah. okay? Um, we've said directly on the show, get rid of anyone sitting at a desk collating, collecting, publishing data and using it for any purpose. That's a <laughs> bunch of people getting paid too much to do something that SPD should have no part in. The city's going to need to collect data on what the cops do and what... Uh, mm -hmm. is going on in the city, what is sometimes called crime statistics. Um, but SPD should have no fucking thing to do with that. Because, again, what we've what cops have done is 
part of their power is that they've grown these bureaucracies that make mm-hmm. them these fully encapsulated things that are insulated not just from control but have all the power within them. So they're the ones who analyze and report crime statistics yeah. that ultimately justify their jobs. That's obviously a bad idea. So just fire all the, those people gone. Totally yeah. taken out. They should literally be, again, this may not be... Um, if you get rid of, um, and I think it is in here later, um, basically getting rid of, oh yeah, getting rid of the communications department. Another thing mm-hmm. we've said directly, get rid of all PR people and so that they literally, now, so that they literally can't talk to the public. Now, getting rid of the funding for that is the first step, but that doesn't mean, somehow, that doesn't mean, somehow they will be able, they will find a way to have someone, you know, work in the administration working on data and telling people about it. So you're going to have to follow up with this with more legislation that actually bars SPD from certain activities, but also um, enforces that just with an iron hand of a city administration. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but this is the right start because, yeah, the next thing is eliminate North Precinct Capital Project. So that's the the cop bunker that they want to build up Mm -hmm. there. Um, You know, I think they're still... uh, there's still parts of that going on. Um, I mean, there's a hole in the ground built for the precinct. I could think of something to do with that hole, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, eliminate professional services, including photo enforcement. I think that's the... Um, that's traffic cams, I think. Yeah. Uh, so. By the way, uh, long since proven in various like legal battles to be completely useless for yeah. controlling traffic. Just pure money generation. Yeah. Uh, sworn hiring in HR. So this is great. This is a sm- yeah. this is the kind of granular detail this is getting into. This is basically saying you taking that means they've got. I think what this means is there's sworn cops mm-hmm. who are in the HR department at SPD. We don't need that. There don't no. again. This is cops in a bureaucracy is something that needs to be eliminated, and I love that they are thinking through it on that level. Yeah. Ultimately, if you you, I think they've rightly said like if we make this about completely firing every cop, um, and completely abolishing SPD next year, that's not like a feasible plan, right? Mm-hmm. But. By making it a 50%, what you can do is get it down to literally just the cops on the beat. Yeah. And then you can whittle them away from there. And yeah. that's what you got to do. You got to get rid of... So um, no cops shouldn't be hiring cops. The city yeah. should be hiring cops, someone outside the police department. Well, and again, too, uh, you know, those HR jobs and things like that are these kind of like make work jobs that yeah. the police department can get, can reward officers yep. with and stuff like that. And again, this is about breaking that sort of political power, right? Like they, you know, this there should is be a, no this, good jobs in SPD. Yeah, this is like a Tammany Hall kind of reform here, right? Yes, <laughs> saying absolutely. like, yeah, you know, the police don't get the don't get permission to hand out make nope. work jobs. Uh, recruitment and retention. Uh, so these are they talked about. Above, basically, um, so this is like on a personal, a personnel like department level. Mm-hmm. They talked about limiting funds used for recruitment and retention, but this yeah. is actually limiting the jobs of yeah. recruitment and retention, community outreach, implicit bias training. Something we have said on this: yeah. no cop should get any kind of training ever again. Yeah. It's a waste of money and time. Yep. It's stupid. Don't do it. Um, it's a fig leaf for what their job is, right? Yeah. And I think, too, this is a recognition of the fact that uh, racism and policing, sexism and police, all this kind of stuff, this is not an accident. This isn't the police having bad ideas. It is part of the structure of policing itself. So why the fuck, you know, implicit bias training is just a fig leaf to cover for that. So and fuck it. This is, instead of buying into the bullshit, 
They're yeah. just saying they're they not even it. saying like no, we're not going to spend more money on training like Democrats want to do. Mm. They're saying no, no, literally get rid of it. Yeah, now, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I say get rid of all training altogether. This says implicit bias training, communications. Literally, again, something we have said on the show: fire all the PR people. Yeah, no one should have that job in SPD. And then later, again, you should enforce that no. Like cops are literally allowed to talk to the public. Yeah, like they yeah. should literally not be able to give statements to the press. Mm. <laughs> Good luck with that. But um, there should be no spokesperson for SPD except literally the chiefs. Mm. Like they yep. should be the only people who are allowed to give press conferences or talk to reporters. Yeah. Now that's not something you'll be able to enforce. The, a lot of this stuff. What'll happen if you just defund it is people in the administrative staff will take on these roles that were previously like had a whole department right okay so mm -hmm. if you had a communications department now the uh assistant to the assistant chief will now basically become the pr guy for spd yeah. well if your propaganda department has 50 people and then the next day it has, it has one, one person it's yeah. uh, a lot less effective it's good and that's it's very good idea. yes <laughs> yeah. um, but again you need to enforce this stuff ultimately um, cut SPD spending on Homeland Security, a misnamed unit that is mostly designed uh, to police large events like Bumbershoot. Uh, that's great. Just getting rid of whole like. So again, this is like uh, the police run like the Sopranos, yep. right? And, it's a cushy uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of letting them sit in lawn chairs on a construction site uh, and collect money, <clears throat> uh, they're actually going to have to work, right? If they so if this goes through. The uproar from cops about having mm -hmm. to, like, do an actual job, yeah, like yeah. everyone else in America, most people, they so SPD, they give you these cushy jobs for whatever, but then even your average beat cop is sitting in his car eating fast yeah. food 90% of the day. If you cut their numbers down and they've got to, like, if you actually, if a SPD cop had to be, like, responding to every call that we let SPD take, oh, my God, mm -hmm. they would, they'll feel so overworked that they'll, they'll all quit. Yeah, good. Even, you know, when... To, hopefully they'll be responding to very yeah. few calls, but that's how fucking much we need well, to cut their numbers down. And one of the things that gets police, you know, into trouble is the fact that there is nothing to do, yeah. right? So they yeah. create work for themselves. So in Seattle, we famously had the case of the police officer who, uh, you know, got mad because a 19-year-old uh, yelled at him dry, you know, when the SPD officer was trying to tow his car away. <laughs> the 19-year-old yelled at him about it. And so he took a work chair, like an office yeah. chair, to the guy's work, to the 19-year-old's work. At O'Reilly's, yeah. Yeah, and literally sat out there for hours basically telling everybody how he was waiting outside for that. For an apology. Yeah, yeah, for that guy to get out. And so, again, so it's like, you know what? If you have that much free time, you don't need the job. You're gone. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, you know, the fuck off. Like, yeah, and look, and that's part of, like, again, it's not doing this, defunding these departments doesn't get these people fired, right? It gets them, they're going to have to go somewhere else. But as part of this, there's going to have to be layoffs to, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not going to be, the people getting laid off probably aren't going to be the ones in these cushy jobs, right, necessarily. But you know what? You can start by firing all the people like that asshole who have some mm -hmm. insane fucking number of infractions or yep. one or two really insane complaints against them oh no he had a large number oh sure oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. they all do yeah, yeah you can just get rid of them all yeah um okay eliminate swat team funding hell yeah just but greg won't, won't people what are people gonna be upset like who's who's gonna show up when i complain about the teens walking through my yards on the way home from school you know 
there's no, <laughs> nothing has happened in my lifetime in Seattle that would justify the use of a SWAT team. Yeah. Well, the biggest deployment of SWAT in the past 20 years in Seattle that wasn't crowd control, that wasn't just putting down protesters, was uh, essentially air holing a house uh, kindergarten district, right? teacher's yeah, house in the Central District with 80 fucking gas grenades. For no reason. For no fucking reason. Nobody was even in the house. And yeah, just psychotic fucking. That was the biggest deployment of SWAT in the last 20 years in Seattle. So fuck them. We don't need them. They, they're they sitting off. around like the Maytag repairman most of the time. Yeah. So when you do let them out on the streets, they just go ape shit. They've also never stopped anything. There was, I think, eight different SWAT teams outside of Columbine during the massacre, and not one of them did anything. So fuck them. Like, yeah, they don't, they're get useless. rid of them. Fuck them. Um, end contracts with private firms that defend SPD in the city against miscon police misconduct lawsuits. God, this is a good one. That's mm -hmm. so smart. Um, just like, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, yeah. No mean, more pri no more paying for private pricey private defense firms for the cops. If yeah. the if the city uh, the city can either decide to defend the cop or not, or the union can, yeah, and or they can themselves. And them. honestly, you know, this is something the city council should do too. Is you know when the police get sued and they fucking lose, which is most of the time, uh, that should come out of the police budget. Oh yeah, like that not the city budget. That's gonna be a, that's a complicated one. Um, yeah. I don't think it's covered in this document. No, no. It uh, eliminate SPD's travel and training budget. Okay, so here again, no more vacations days. They are they are just eliminating <laughs> training, yeah, yeah. which I love. Yeah. No training at all. Yeah. Um, and this uh, this targets directly the deadly exchange. Um, yeah. it's hardly the only time they travel to yeah. train to get trained by military forces, but they do go to fucking Israel. Carmen Best yeah. herself has been there to get trained by the IDF and how to mm. uh, fully occupy. It's. This is about eliminating um, the birthright of cops to go to, mm -hmm. of every cop to go to a, a fully uh, militarized, police-occupied state and um, live dream their best, of, to, like, yeah, like, it's like going to Disneyland it yeah. when they get home. Uh, yeah, it also eliminates, you know, uh, Seattle SWAT participates in the uh, yearly SWAT conventions and DHS conventions that are literally just giant jerk-off sessions where they just pretend to shoot people all day yeah. and no get more. sold weapons by military contractors. No more. Got it out. Fuck and them. overtime pay, including for emphasis patrols. The emphasis patrol program was basically like an overtime program about like increasing mm -hmm. police presence presence in neighborhoods that wanted to be more gentrified. Yep. Um, and doing it. Uh, it's a tool of real estate. Don't need it. And it was basically an overtime tool. It was like an overtime yep. policy. It wasn't. It was just like we're gonna do more copping in these places yeah. on overtime, basically. Yep. Um, reduce. Patrol staffing with corresponding. This is just getting in the overall. After you get yeah. rid of all these people, less cops as well. After you're not that. just reassigning them all to the uh, street. You won't have the money to do that, but even the ones you have on patrol now, less. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we're literally going to have to fire or lay off half of SPD uh, with corresponding reduction in administration. So, that is key, like bringing mm -hmm. down the administrative mm -hmm. um, staff by a comparable amount. Now, this is where it gets um, to, I think all the next ones are actually in Mayor Jenny's plan, but mm -hmm. we can talk about how they could be potentially different. So one huge one we've talked about from the beginning of this is transfer 911 dispatch out of Seattle Police Department to civilian control. This yeah. is huge. This is in the top level, like the 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 like poster size um, bullet points of this mm -hmm. plan from DCRIM. This is one on there, the four-point um, plan, which is... Transfer 911. I think this is a great one because, again, it tells a story. This is well thought out. 
it it's like wh- what are we doing when someone's asking well what do you do what do you mean take away 50% you say well look they have this enormous budget it's way bigger than all this and they do stuff that we don't need them to do mm-hmm. so there are cops in the 911 call center and the thing is that is a linchpin if you're going to change what cops respond to if you're going to replace what cops respond to with other agencies and community organizations and other city mm-hmm. departments and limit them you're going to have to get them out of the 911 call center because they're not going to do yeah. this willingly they're i mean you can't have a you can't say okay we've decided as a city we're gonna uh have cops respond to these things where like there's some violence and then we're gonna have other people do this and have a cop taking that 911 call you can't do it yeah it's not gonna work you can't even have them in the fucking room now this is the thing where it also comes down to enforcement and really real implementation because it's one thing to to you know take the budget away and transfer control but literally you have to literally limit you have to literally gonna have to mandate that they're not ever allowed in the room that they have no access to the calls until like they're gonna have to have their own dispatch center in the cop shop that the 911 dispatch center like refers calls to when they choose to and has completely out of the control of uh spd they shouldn't even be able to get the data um so this is an enforcement thing but this is a huge start and it's it's it is a linchpin um, both in sort of the political sort of story making of this and in the practical implementation, yeah. it's fucking imperative and it should be fucking easy. In fact, Mayor Jenny has even agreed to this. But again, um, yeah, it you know it depends on how this is implemented because if it's implemented by Mayor Jenny, then then it's up to the people they put in there and what their policies are and how committed they are to doing this to what they refer to on any given instance. To yeah. SPD, you know. Well, that and I think Jenny's uh, idea with this is we'll take the money currently budgeted for SPD to run nine one one services and use it entirely on tear gas and rubber bullets. Yeah, right. And you know, I think one of the things that this, you know, we talk about telling a story. You know, one of the things that's going to come out and arguing about this nine one one stuff is that the vast majority of calls nine one one are not criminal matters. Exactly. There's no reason if you're having a heart attack that you should be talking to a cop. There's no reason, and we know there's deadly results for ambulances to be held up by police, right? And we there's know no that reason that kills for people. someone so calling uh, because of someone's mental health crisis, mm-hmm. their family member's mental health crisis, to be talking to a cop and a cop to think, okay, I'm going to send four squad cars to yeah. your place. They'll sort it out, and when, you know, depending on whatever, they'll either arrest your family member or they'll call for an ambulance when necessary, when they're yeah. dead, you know? Um, so they just need to be out of that completely. Um, yeah. And again, But again, if it's run by Mayor Jenny, uh, then th- in the moment, just like cops have all this, like, control in the moment, like, whoever's taking those calls will have to be making the decision based on a policy and their own fucking personal commitment to this change whether to involve spd on these calls yeah similarly like the like everyone responding to these calls will and we'll get into this we'll have to make the decision whether they radio up uh spd when yeah. in certain circumstances so the next one take track traffic and parking enforcement out of spd control this is huge now Mergeni has also proposed this about mm-hmm. transferring that into sdot now you can imagine Mergeni doing that and that looking like they literally transfer all the cops who are doing that now. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is they're all like, they're given a choice to transfer, keep their same jobs, but under SDOT. Um, and you can imagine them wearing cop uniforms with a different badge. You can imagine them keeping their police contract and having 
now like SDOT employees technically be ex-cops who still are on their police contract. You can imagine them also not being armed, um, mm -hmm. but uh, but having the discretion rolling around in their uh, now SDOT labeled uh, meter maid cruisers, uh, radioing up um, SPD to come back them up, calling mm -hmm. for backup when they do this. So there is a bad way to do this. Now, this the start taking it out mm -hmm. of their budget that is the plan they're fighting for. That's what this, they need to fight this to make sure the city council does. And I think that is going to get because again, Jenny's even for it. That is going to happen, I think, mm -hmm. um, in a bill next month. But again, ultimately, it's going to be about inf in implementation, and that's going to be the the city council following through on this. Um, it may be difficult to prevent. It may be difficult after winning this fight to actually pass laws that say no ex-cops are allowed to be hired by other city departments yeah. okay that may that that may be ultimately hard it may i think there does need to be a fight to throw out the police union contract at the very least even if some fucking ex-cops need to i mean i hopefully they don't end up in um any of these other jobs i think you need to fight to make that happen but that well i could see it fa i could see us you know win winning this fight and if you lose the next one you know you have these like mm -hmm. worst but worst case scenarios happening so it's important to be vigilant and um just on the lookout for that and thinking through that as you go ahead you know yeah and i think too uh when jenny talks about again you know moving uh 911 out of or 9 what well, jesus christ out of spd control or moving traffic enforcement out of spd control what she's saying is when we make the very tiny cut in the spd budget I want it to all come out of here and keep the core of SPD yeah. intact, right? And this is why the 50% thing matters, is that say, no, we want to do that, and we also want to gut SPD. Yes. Like, you know, yes. this is not about protecting the core of SPD and its mission to brutalize the population. This is about preventing them from doing that. You know, I yeah. ultimately, when, hopefully, what happens here is when you defund and there becomes this need to fire and lay off all these cops, that then forces another political fight, a confrontation that results in something like some kind of, like, truth and reconciliation process mm -hmm. whereby... Cops are forced to testify against each other in order to not be fired or, lay mm -hmm. or make yeah. the layoff list. And maybe, maybe, you know, for the best one, the ones who come out of that process who were really cooperative and testified against all their people mm -hmm. in court, got some people, some cops prosecuted and had no complaints against them, maybe they're allowed to uh, transfer into SDOT, you know? Yeah. I Better that they're not at all because you need to break the institutional memory of these places. Like yeah. if, if it just goes, all these cops are now meter maids with different badges on and they can call the SPD for backup anytime mm -hmm. they get like their cop sense going off like they might want to kill a black person or see yeah. it happen. That's bad. But okay. Ne next thing, transfer, again, something we've said, transfer Office of Police Accountability out of SPD control. Absurd that it's yeah. in the, the SPD budget at all. It's a fucking yeah. joke. Um, it should actually just be obliterated, burned yeah. to the ground, and something completely new replacing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but great. this is a great start for this thing. Again, this mm -hmm. is also on Jenny's list because it's so, it, this, it's, this is low-hanging fruit. This is real obvious shit. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, is that when the police commit criminal behavior, it could go to the courts like a, with for any normal person. This idea of police policing police is fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely I don't stupid. know if it's the Office worked. of Police Accountability, maybe you know this, does that encompass all of, like, the inter what, you know, the internal affairs? It encompasses everything that the district attorney doesn't want to touch, which is effectively everything. So, so. basically, SPD, I, anything... 
any also any investigative unit they have that's about investigating cops, if that's just the OPA or if there is an mm-hmm. internal affairs unit, that should be destroyed, burned to the ground, yeah. um, should not exist. Yeah. And whatever new structure, again, this is the next fight, but whatever new structure is put in place, mm-hmm. it should include an investigative arm that can investigate and... Yeah. and uh, yeah, so to give people Refer an idea, for prosecution. when a Seattle police officer in, I think it was 2014, uh, arrested a woman, handcuffed her, put her in the back of a squad car, and then punched her so hard in the face that he fractured her eye socket and almost blinded her, uh, that went to the OPA instead of to a court, you yeah. know? And <clears throat> so that's insane. So, you know, again, that's why really transferring it out of, quote, SPD control isn't really the thing. It's entire structure, it's Should entire exist. theory, it's... It, Everything about it should not exist. So in Jenny's plan, you this is just a budgetary trick where yeah. you say, oh, these people aren't employees of SPD anymore. Yeah. They're employees of the city or of its own department or in some other yeah. city department or whatever. Or, you know, is there a public safety department yeah. that the police are under or something? I whatever. Mean, you move it up that. That's bullshit. But again, this is the first fight that yeah. you need to. That is the first step in the next thing, completely uh, having that be a different process. And I think you need a... Mm. Basically, yeah, eliminate that and replace it with a police accountability investigative unit. Uh, yeah. Basically, um, that needs to be cops who have never been cops, department. and yeah. you don't call them cops. Basically, you need like an invest- investigators, lawyers who whose job it is to investigate mm-hmm. cops and refer them for prosecution. Because who else is going to do it? There's yeah. no. There's right now. If you think about it, there is no law enforcement whose job it is. To police SPD to charge yeah. to investigate when they murder. No, they investigate themselves, and in the rarest cases, they get a name. You know, some law enforcement agencies will get a neighboring law enforcement agency to investigate mm-hmm. that. But even that's pretty rare. This is bullshit. There should be people doing this with the authority of the city council who've never been cops. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Office of Emergency Management out of SPD control. Um, Again, yeah, basically they should get out of that entire building, the yeah. emergency management building. That's where the 911 call center yeah. is. There literally shouldn't be cops allowed in the building. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, then the last point, reduce administrative costs in line with the above cuts. So, again, thinking this through, like, oh, mm-hmm. including corresponding cuts to the office of the chief of police, leadership administration, and administrative operations. So as you call all of this... You trim down mm-hmm. the administration of SPD to a bare minimum, um, which, you know, limits their bureaucratic power, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, chief of police shouldn't be a desirable job. No. Like, it should pay nothing. And uh, people should hate you for having it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got that covered. Yeah. Not the pay nothing part. But <laughs> yeah. No. no. <laughs> people hate uh, yeah. yeah. So um, that is uh, decriminalized Seattle's uh, list of proposals for deinvestment in um, police. Now, this document goes on to hit the other points, um, including the reinvestment in community. And, um, you know, this is the next part of that story, right? We're not going to go into all the details, but they have a very sort of detailed, well-thought-out plan here for uh, researching how to replace some of these services that mm-hmm. we think of SPD as doing that really they're not doing, but someone should, like, you know, helping people in mental health crises. Um, and they're a big focus of this is on actually just transferring cash into existing community organizations that are doing actual work mm-hmm. on the ground that could be doing more without the cops ever involved that could be getting calls from a new revamped 911 call center um in the area of their expertise and um and physical area and 
you know, this is great because it, it's telling the story about how you get rid of police, how you limit the role of police, how you defund them and transfer these things to other more effective uses of that money in the community. But you're also building these organizations. And as we look ahead to whatever coming confrontation we're having in mm. this country with the police state, um, I don't know if we can prepare for that. I don't know if we can win. I don't know if there can be a revolution against capital. But if there is, it's only going to be because mm -hmm. uh, of organization in community on the ground. And this plan seems to be saying, like, be taking a very active stance. Look, all of these, everything that has come so far in this city has been organization. Organization of people in the streets and organization um, of mm -hmm. these demands and this sort of political will. And it's they've brought together this group. Decrim has brought together all these organizations that are already on the ground, and they're they're looking ahead at not like they're clearly fighting this fight with the intention to follow through. Okay, mm -hmm. like the idea of needing to, as you take power away from the police state, you need to give it back to organize organized mm -hmm. community to propel the next fight. And I think that's hugely important. All we can do is organize. And that's that's what they're trying to do here, I think, is mm -hmm. empower these community organizations. If you're going to fight back against a a surging like right-wing police state um, that's turning darker and darker with the passing day and empower communities, it's about doing that organization. And that, you know, that doesn't look like maybe I would have thought it would have looked uh, last year, but this is these are people stepping up to do exactly that, and so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, you know, uh, we're going to need some sort of leadership, some sort of organization, and all the things that are necessary in the future. Things like worker strikes, things like you know, uh, legal actions that you can organize around things like that. All that uh, tenant protection, tenant yeah. strikes, yeah, all defending that. fucking buildings that are being evicted, yeah. like uh, and maintaining people in the street. Yeah, and all that it uh, requires leadership and it costs money. And if we can take that money out of the police's pocket, all the better. Yeah, and if you can, yeah, pay that forward into not just providing these services, but building these organizations that, uh, because of the example so far of like King County Equity Now and Decrim Seattle, I can tell they. I mean, I just watched them do a political organization. Uh, a political education thing on um, Facebook a couple of days ago. Like, that's clearly on their radar to organize community and to educate. Yeah. Um, that's all we can do. That is what we, that is the weapon against capital in the state, okay? Is yeah. political education and organization. That's what they're doing. Uh, they also go on another part of the big, the four point plan of the divestment and reinvestment is um, investing in housing. So, you know, a lot. So, again, telling the story uh, connecting this to all the struggles basically yeah. that we're having in this city yeah um and also i think too is, is educating just the struggle itself by connecting it to the other struggles you're educating everybody in the city and and yeah. contributing to further organization you know? yeah and for people who want to get involved in the idiotic twitter arguments about like uh but how is this you know referring to capitalism or class or whatever if you go through this and look through it you can find that critique in there, right? You know, organizing yeah. oh, yeah. housing, things like that. They're saying that, look, this racism, this police violence, everything, it's connected to a larger system, a profit system, right? It's connected to the inequality that is, you know, de 
of meaning and uh, hurting so many people, right? And, you know, this is these are the connections that need to be made. I mean, in the United States in particular, man, I mean, we need some sort of social organiz- organizations to build out of and build off of. And, uh, you know, the union movement is all but dead. Uh, there's no left political organizations to speak of. You know, this is an effort to try and create one, right? You know, from the bottom organization that has money, has resources, and wants to actually work with people. Yeah. And that's valuable. And it, it, it is a very, like, base-level effort, right, about, like, mm-hmm. small community organizations bringing people in the door, getting people services. But, like, that's where we're at. Like, because we yeah. don't have those other structures. We don't yeah. have a large politicized union movement. Yeah, if we, had a, if we had a robust union movement, yeah. right? And this, we live and in the world we live in. And so this, we got to build this. And that is the sort of, that is how I distill this moment down, right? Is mm-hmm. like, you would have said, and I think, you know, we would have said, um, in the absence of anything else, and in the absence of seeing Americans want to be organized and want mm-hmm. to stand up, you go, well, I guess we just have to rebuild the labor movement. And I think that's a good thing. But what I'm seeing here, in this city at least, is these black and indigenous organizers like see this moment and turns out they're ready for it like this yeah. this is a there's a foundational level of organization that has been turned that has been grown into something larger that is on track to be grown into something mm. even larger because of uh this moment and that work that's going on so yeah. that yeah yeah instead of awesome. wishing something into existence they're bringing something into existence and uh you and know they're bringing in people into the street to become yeah. radicalized and to become part of yeah. you know to feel to these victories are going to feel like important to people, mm. right? Of course. If you've been in the street and we actually defund yeah. SPD, like that's going to show shit. That I mean, that'll be global news oh, yeah. first of all. Like, well, but if you were actually in the street, you're going to feel that in a very different way. Yeah, very I, specific way. I should say. Yeah, and I remember uh, doing like anti-war stuff in like Lubbock, Texas, in like 2001, 2002. You know, I remember being like, people would say like, "Well, what's the point of doing a demonstration in Lubbock or whatever?" Like, nobody cares. And it's like. The, you know, we're not in the streets in Lubbock because we think that George Bush is going to be like, oh, shit, like, better better not invade Iraq, right? Yeah. You know, we're in the streets there to try and empower the people that we're taking in the streets, to try and imbue them with leadership qualities and things like that, to imbue them with the confidence to go out and make political arguments and to go out and fight for something, right? And it's like, that's why you bring people in the streets. That's why you create these organizations. Like, this is the, like, base level. This is what the union movement used to do. This creates the base level of left leadership that has needs to exist it's not going to come into existence spontaneously you know it's insane to think that so this is work and it's it's had to build yeah from the ground up yeah Yeah. and like i said this is not wishing something into existence this is trying to build something into existence and that is the one thing that like on the left we haven't done in the united states yeah all right um so you know hopefully that's a a little bit hopeful note uh See how we tried not to end completely negative on this episode for the first time in weeks? Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> look, I think good things are happening in this town. I hope we, I hope, you know, we stay in the streets and we follow through on it all. Um, and anyway, just really encourage. Uh, you should actually check out the whole document. It's like, we'll link to it. It's like, yeah. I don't know, 13, 14 pages long. We just went through the, the sort of defunding SPD bullet points because um, it was the most fun and uh, the stuff that we personally had the most to say about. But there's, um, it's actually a really detailed plan, and, and like I said, there's a lot of really strong. Uh, it, it is, it clearly like comes from a place of a lot of strong critique um, and forward-looking sort of thought about how to, I don't know, exist in this fucking world. I get, you know, we're out of time. We're not going to talk about the fucking uh, 
COVID pandemic, uh, which looms over all of this and how we're basically all going to die of that, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I mean, by, by which I mean global warming doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, hopefully tune in on the Patreon episode or something for a, like, roundup of sort of Washington State's uh, catastrophic uh, yeah. response to this, even though it's, like, one of the best in the country. Um, <laughs> it's a low bar. Yeah. Um, so, great. Um Okay, yeah, we've got new patrons, Corinne, Carrie, and Allie. Uh, well, welcome to the fold, everybody, and uh, everybody that's not a patron, uh, become one. Don't be a cheap ass. Become a patron. Yeah, you know, we um, we paid some of it forward uh, recently. What did we give to... Um... Yeah, we took your money and we gave uh, five hundred to Greg's new television. It's very enormous on the boat. It's no, too, we gave, it's too big for the boat, frankly. <laughs> yeah, it's too big. <laughs> it's too gaudy. <laughs> uh, no, um, we gave five hundred to King County Equity. Now we gave two hundred to uh, the uh, Northwest Bail Community Bail Fund. Uh, that's where your money goes when you give it to Patreon. Basically, that and to Greg's lavish lifestyle. Those are the yeah. two things. We keep Greg in caviar and champagne on this boat. Uh, you know, I'm like looking at Twitter right now, Brian, and it seems like um, there were people marching down at Westlake today, and I guess like SPD formed up against them, which I feel like hasn't been happening for weeks. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what yeah, is actually going down with that. But yeah, again, as we're recording, SPD seems to be taking a much more aggressive stance which towards is the. Uh, protests, which means that I think they're being emboldened by, uh, you know, the pact. Or yeah, well, if it's true and that the pact, um, meaning mainly probably the Border Patrol or other agencies have already deployed other cities, SPD may be feeling like, yeah, emboldened to know that they've A, got back up and B, want to now provoke more of this street action that will justify deploying the mm -hmm. pact to the streets. So that's just a possibility. Um uh, hope I'm overreacting, uh, but uh, I, you know, it's hard to tell what's going on from what I'm seeing on Twitter. But that's a real possibility. So we, they could be trying to to bring us to where Portland is um, uh, right yeah. now. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so hey, get out in the streets, everybody. Either way. Yeah, get out in the streets. Uh, if you have a union job or a non-union job, uh, hey, maybe think about not going anymore and going out in the streets. Some work stoppages might help with this. Yeah. But you know, just throwing that out there and putting it in the ether. But yeah. Uh, all that said, uh, we'll see you guys next time with some uh, not hopeful COVID news, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's going to be purely dark. There's no upside. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. Uh, it's we're too late to die. flee America. You're not allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see everybody next time. Uh, this is uh, the Steamship Nyad signing off. Bye. Uh,